You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. I am Victor, and joining me is William, the one and only Gallagher. Weirdly, there are actually several of me, but I like being the one who gets to come on here and say hello. 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 We're all thinking of Liam Gallagher now, and I just genuinely am related to him, but that's another story, and I think he I might... Am, I am not opening the the Liam Noel controversy. <laughs> okay. Are they even known in the States? But, uh, yes. I met one of them once, things, actually. Though. I met one of them. Oh, right. Yeah. I was in... Uh... Oh, God, where the hell was I? I can't even remember where I was now, but I met one. So, let's keep going. Did, did they mention me? Yes, yes, absolutely. No, they did not. Okay. Apple News might be more relevant. Is there anything going on? Has Apple done anything this week no, at all? No, not at all. Okay. Well, lovely talking to you. Thank you, everybody. All right. So, actually, you'll have to forgive me. Apple had their quarterly earnings call. And this was a record-setting holiday quarter. How much do you think they they put down in revenue? Well, let's see. I earn about seventeen billion a week, uh, so it's probably twenty billion, something like that. No, that's a nice estimate, and and, and certainly you could buy plenty of tea on that. But yes. it is now. I don't know if you could buy all the tea in China on that, but as the expression used to go, but that is not the number. Apple's revenue record generated $91.8 billion in the last quarter. I just, I, I need that number and I can't hold it in my head because it's, uh, I find it just unimaginable. But, you know, it's a good number and I'm glad for them because I was worried about Apple. Genuinely? Well, actually, many years ago, yes. Uh, back in the 90s, I thought this was going down badly. Uh, and now, uh, now it's just silly money, isn't it? But, it you is. know, they're earning it, so... Good on them. Mm-hmm. Now, this is up uh, more or less 8.9% from the $84.3 billion earned in the first quarter of 2019. So, year on year, up almost 9%. How do they keep getting money out of us? Well, William, I keep convincing you that it's time to buy something new, don't I? That's true. I'm clearly a major factor I'm surprised they don't mention me on their uh, earnings calls. It's down to you, isn't it? They did thank Jennifer Aniston. Why not you and me? I don't know. That's a very good question. (laughs) No, you'd be very nice about it. Right, so all of this money, uh, a little bit, everything is great. And China has moved on hugely since this time last year, hasn't it? Uh, Lots of worries last year. This year, swimming in it, everything great. Or am I... Just looking at the surface here. I'm trying to think about how to answer that because you mentioned China and I still haven't figured out what the numbers are or how much of an impact China had. Well, um, even without the numbers, remember this, it was actually pretty much this time last year that Apple was required to announce uh, an earnings uh, expectation short for a considerable one. Mm. I think it was 5% or something yeah. uh, for it. And in comparison to that, this all seems quite glowing. I think, you know, Apple puts out all of these figures and clearly they lean on the ones that are great. So, you know, this report better than I do. Are there things in there that they've just <clears throat> skirted over? 
Ah, uh, okay. No, so actually, here is the uh, the the year on year for China. So, a- Apple's push for sales in China came to fruition. There was about thirteen point five eight billion in revenue for the quarter, and okay. Cook said that they saw double digit iPhone growth within mainland China. So the iPhone is number three of the top four spots for best-selling phones in the region. Now, that's, in terms of growth, it's, it's about 3.1% growth. But this is good growth because, as you were saying, Apple saw a contraction year-on-year for the last four quarters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, instead of something like negative 26% or negative 21% or so on, 3.1% is good. Yes. Now, obviously, if, if Apple wants to reverse the effects of revenue from those those past quarters, they've got some work to do. And those were Q1 and Q2, respectively, that I was naming uh, at 26 and 21%. So right. uh, Q1 and Q2 of 2019, to be clear. So year on year, this is, this is great, but they've got more work to do. I have an idea for them. They could have bring you. out some more new products. No. That's yeah, a silly no, idea. honestly, that would fix everything. Yeah, you well, think? You know, everybody, everybody's got the iPhone now that's going to buy one. So bring out something else. Yeah, it's as easy no, as what? that, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, uh, you'd say that. You say that, but I mean, there are things like a HomePod that's done. Has it has HomePod done spectacularly well? I don't believe so. But Apple doesn't give numbers, and I love the one I've got. So I genuinely don't know. Right. If if HomePod were a business on its own, outside of Apple, I think it probably wouldn't have survived. Just just based on the, I mean, cost versus what you get compared to the competition. Right. It's a very good speaker, but it's also an expensive speaker that, in some ways, is less capable than its cheaper competition. Yeah. Except uh, I just I find I use my HomePod and Siri on it a lot, and we have an Amazon Echo somewhere in the house, and occasionally we have use you it. have you lost uh, it? Has it mis- misplaced in the house somewhere? I've tried. No, I've actually. I mean, found if, you, that if you shout out for it, it'll answer, won't it? <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, my HomePod has bionic ears. If I'm anywhere in the postal district and I say the magic Siri words, it is my HomePod that responds. I can be looking at my watch at the time it does it. So I tend to wait until I can see the device and look it in the eye and then tell it what I want. You stare it down, don't you? Ah, yes. To be fair, I think actually Amazon Alexa often gives far more detail than Siri, but occasionally that's not what you want. If I ask for the weather, for example, uh, no, if I ask, is it raining, you know, in a city I'm going to, uh, Siri will say yes or no. Amazon will give you the history of the meteorological office and stuff. And I have been known to say, oh, enough already (laughs) to Alexa. Funny people say enough already to me personally. So I understand. Okay. (laughs) I feel so seen. Well, how do we get onto comparisons? You're saying HomePod is a disaster. I'm just, I'm saying that, you know, obviously they don't break these things out, but uh, the the iPhone, out of that $91.8 billion, the iPhone was responsible for $56 billion of it. Right. That still leaves a bit of change for everything else. Well, services was uh, 12.7. Oh, that's true. And services did really well. This year. I mean, well, it grew by 17%, wouldn't you? 
Well, yeah, but it, uh, it wasn't last year. It was practically the year of services, wasn't it? I mean, Apple TV Plus, Apple News Plus, Apple Arcade, Apple Card. Well, that was the I'm announcement. Miss, I think I'm right? One. Those were the announcements. But this this was really the first quarter where we saw that actually bear fruit and release, right? This was the first quarter that actually had all of those things in release for the full quarter, isn't it? Uh, yes, I'm trying to work out with Apple TV Plus. No, um, Apple TV Plus has this free version if you bought something. Uh, I think, does it have a seven-day trial if you haven't? I always had it in my head it was a month, and so we were waiting to see something the like second that. month's yeah. results. But uh, no, you're right. People were actually paying cash for this service from this time on. Actually, suddenly twelve billion doesn't sound that much. Okay. Well, not when you compare it with ninety-one billion or fifty-six billion, but or I mean, how much I've earned since we started talking. Yes, it's, yeah. it's becoming embarrassing, really. It is. Yeah. yeah. Now, okay. the the thing to think about here is is both, of course, what what segments are growing and what segments are are not growing as quickly, and also to to think about. Um, you know, what the next quarter could look like. So guidance for the next quarter has been pegged at 63 to 67 billion. Uh, that's less. It is. Oh, but uh, we're coming off the back of the holiday quarter, aren't we? So are they normally uh, less at this time? Um, I genuinely don't I'd like know. to tell you, but all the charts that I'm looking at are not comparing all four quarters. I'm just looking at Q1 year on year. Uh, that's a little harder for me to tell you off the back of my head. So it, it, I mean, if I'm looking at wearables and and home accessories year on year, um, for 2019 it it began it, somewhere in the middle, it dropped down a little bit for Q2, and then rose over the summer and into the fall. Its highest part was in Q4, and then back down again for Q1. So that's sort of the curve that that home accessories and wearables follows. Um, seeing if I have a similar chart open for any other device. Nope, I don't. So I am unable to give you that kind of information for any other segment. Um, but if I'm right that the holiday quarter does better because people buy more things and also because there are new products, then it circles all the way back to Apple needs to make more new products. Right. Well, but the new products come out, come out at the end of, uh, of uh, in the Q4, right? The new products debut in Q4 and people purchase them in through the holiday season, right? So there's a bump in Q4 and a bump into uh, into Q1. Well, don't know anybody. You heard it here first. Uh, there could be an iPhone SE2 slash 9 any day now. All right, any month now. But earlier than September-ish, if we're yeah. right at all. Yeah. So either it'll be earlier or I'm totally wrong. Um, this is a quality You don't think that would be a Q2 thing? Uh, well, it's not Q1, it was, we just yes. used Q1. So yeah, it's Q2 or Q3. Nuts. I think it's more like Q2. Okay. Okay. And there are other things on it. There, uh, there's, there's talk of an iPad Pro uh, coming soonish. Well, I mean... Well, that would be th good there because... one in October. In terms of, hmm? of um, iPad business, iPad shrank 11% to $6 billion. Right. So having an iPad might boost that back up. My iPad is now five years old. I've just realized that. Shame. And I still, well, yeah. it does have some f uh, flaws in it now, but uh, I still use it every day. Hmm. 
Oh, actually, I remember when I first got it, I would zero out the battery every day because I was using it so much. Now it kind of does that by itself anyway, yeah, but still I use it a lot. Generally not a good practice for uh, battery longevity. I didn't. I wasn't doing it uh, in some sort of technology statistical way. It was that was the work I was doing um, for it. So I love my little iPad. Hmm. Not that little. It's the original twelve point nine. But you know. Now Apple has been said to produce a wireless charging mat in years in the past, and nothing ever came to fruition around that. In fact, Apple had to make the unprecedented move for them of actually admitting that they couldn't do it. Yeah. Which. As I said, unprecedented. It's unheard of for Apple to admit that they're not going to do something. But this is the tragedy of announcing something before it's ready to ship. The old Apple, you know, the old, the old, old, old Apple would have said, we're not talking about something until we really are ready to ship it. Right? Which in, I used to think was brilliant and uh, you really know, I, pulled I, the rug out of people. I remember yeah. when they announced Apple TV and iPhone. And, of course, they told us iPhone was going to be six months away. And they did that because of FCC and, and confidentiality yeah. and how that all worked. And the Apple TV, they said, was three months away. And that was shocking because for every other product, it was available that day. Yes. You got so used to it, didn't you? And now it's it's very rare to be that day. It'll be orders start in a week or something. Right. Orders uh, start in two closest. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so they announced AirPower as a wireless charging mat that could handle multiple different types of devices and multiples at the same time. And it didn't work out. It didn't happen. And, and mostly it didn't happen because of, well, the laws of physics. Apparently so. Yes. And we all know you, you can you change those, but apparently you, you think they have, or oh, it's, uh, this is a smaller matter. You think, and they just say, well, half of it worked. Let's put it in a smaller box, pretend everything's fine. Pretty much. So, so, the Quo note that this came out of, I mean, two Quo analyst, uh, anticipated the company was going to release a 4.7-inch iPhone with LCD screen, an iPad Pro refresh, uh, new MacBook Pro and MacBook Air models. And along within there were some ultra-wideband location tracking tags, uh, a high-end Apple brand over-ear Bluetooth headphone, and something referred to as a smaller wireless charging mat. I'll tell you one thing that the whole air power thing did is it made me look at um, wireless charging because I plug my iPhone in at night when I go to bed. What do I care whether it takes uh, six or seven hours? As long as it's charged when I'm awake, it's of no interest. And yet I tried uh, wireless charging after all this air power stuff and I, I love it. I have my iPhone right now on my desk is in an anchor uh, key charger. And this means when I go to a meeting uh, later tonight, it'll be at 100%. Just mm -hmm. I really like it. So good on them for yeah. persevering. So yeah. there there are no real details on this wireless charging mat, but you know, you would expect that it would be a high quality inductive charging mat that does basically for iPhone what the magnetic charging dock is for Apple Watch. Okay. That's that's about the sum of it. That's all we got. I think we can make one assumption. It'll be quite expensive. But, but it will look, look very nice. Fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I'm not knocking that, actually. I think Apple's design is great. And part of the appeal is it just looks good. Um, but, you know, it's obviously not yeah. the only consideration. <laughs> not the only consideration. No. 
You know, and that's that's the case is that when you buy a product, you sometimes buy it for more than one reason, right? You don't buy it just because of how it looks. You buy it because of it, how it works, right? I guess. I, I mean, I'm not trying to disagree. I just, it's funny you saying that when recently somebody was, I can't remember who it was, and I was pointing out that um, with most Apple products, you do buy them for a reason. You want the watch to be a watch and to do health things and so on. But with an iPad, you kind of buy it thinking, what am I going to use this for? And then you find out how good it is. But yes, in general, we are all sensible people who buy only with a purchase, with a purpose rather. Well, somewhat. So I was going somewhere with this. You know how a VPN protects your privacy and security, right? Yes. But you can also use it for other things. Okay. For example, for example, you can use a VPN to unlock the ability to watch movies and shows that are only available for, for viewing in other countries. Right. Yes, you talked to me about this before, and, and it seems only sensible. If I am an American subscriber to Netflix, but I happen to be in Paris today, why should I be able to look at the, the same thing I'm paying for? Yeah, it makes absolute sense to me. Yeah. So, over the weekend, I used ExpressVPN to, to binge on Rick and Morty on France Netflix. Oh, right. Okay. And it's It's simple. You, you fire up the ExpressVPN app, you change your location to, uh, to France in this case, you refresh Netflix, and that's it. And ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think that you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries, and you, th- you think about all the different libraries that become available to you because of that. You know, if you loved anime, you could use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason that we like ExpressVPN is because it's fast. It's absurdly fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD, no problem. And it's compatible with all of your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want to on the go or on the big screen, wherever you are. And if you visit our special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So feel free, support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself with expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider. I just think the TV side is going to become more and more significant. Right now, if you uh, watch Apple TV+, Plus, you get the same thing wherever you are, but that will change. Um, will it? European regula- yeah, European regulations, there has to be a certain percentage of locally produced programs and one way to do it is to cut the number of shows that are from the states uh alter the mix of it uh, and uh, i'm not dissing apple i'm not saying they'll definitely do it it is one way to do something that all of the streaming services are going to have to look at i think by the end of this year even netflix is not going to hit the locally produced uh target and, and they do a lot unless of it. they just yeah. open up additional shows production in that region and share them across their whole platform Yes, uh, but that's a not only a big investment, it's a big investment in time as well. So uh, to hit a deadline, there is a quicker way. Ultimately, we are going to see more variation uh, than we are. I think I'm really curious to see what happens with Disney Plus when it launches here in the UK, because it's launching early and I was sure some deals were still in place where uh, Sky had a lot of Disney material. Um, presumably that's changed or something's altering. But it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all shakes out in the end. Mm-hmm. Curious. 
it's something we'll be watching and we'll let you know about it here on the show, of course. Now, Apple has made some acquisitions. Yes. What have they bought? What did they go uh, shopping for? New jumper, uh, yeah. new office building, because they've <laughs> filled up. Um, oh, shower heads. No, that was the other week. That was um, Tim Cook, not Apple. Yeah. Okay. You can see why I'd get confused there. But yes, okay. No, have I missed? What have they bought? All right. Apple has acquired ultra band chip supplier DecaWave and microwave communications firm Custom MMC. Ah, it's their supplier, isn't it? Rather than right. Apple themselves. So, so, so it might be a bit of a hands-off. Good uh, catch, good thing. catch. I, I asked you a trick question. So yeah, Corvo <laughs> is a semiconductor firm that supplies Apple with processors for the iPhone. And Corvo acquired DecaWave and Custom MMC. Now you've said it this way, I'm terribly curious to know whether Apple said, go on, yeah, do it, be fine. Yeah. Because we know Apple is really into ultra-wideband, but they've already got a uh, presser on the U1, haven't they? So what's could well, they be doing next? Well, the, the U1 is being made by, right? I, when, I, when I looked into this a little bit, there is some connection between the U1 and, and DecaWave. Oh, right. Well, that would fit, given what DecaWave does. But I didn't know, I didn't know whether everybody makes UWB chips or not, but perhaps... They don't. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. So Corvo spent about $100 million acquiring custom MMC, MMIC and uh, um, DecaWave was purchased for around $400 million. Yes. Do you think the people at custom MMC were thinking, oh, this is great, we've got $100 million. And then they find out how much uh, was spent on their, um, what's the acquire mate? Their, their, Decawave, their Decawave. new partner. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, valuations are hard, right? Especially for mm -hmm. private companies as opposed to public companies. And so it will be interesting to see. But that's that's what the deal sounds like. Now, a Apple's told us that the U1 is going to be used for airdrop. But it's, it's also expected that it could be used in relation to things like Apple Car and, uh, and other uses. What's the Apple Car? Project Titan. Heard of it? Not from Apple, we haven't. But no, from absolutely no. everybody else in the world. But there's yes. been but there's been patents that have said, you know, method for keyless access, right? Hmm. So there I, are. I presume Tesla doesn't use ultra wideband because I feel like Tesla's been doing it a lot keyless for a long time, mm -hmm. and this is new. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Tesla does other things. But I haven't actually happen. looked into what their keys do, but never mind. So Apple had a, uh, let's see here. I want to make sure that I tell this correctly because I, I gave you a trick question on the last one. So there was a company called XNOR.ai. And XNOR.ai is an artificial intelligence startup. And they were doing solar-powered AI stuff publicly. They, they have a number of YouTube presentations on the kinds of things that they do. And they, they were basically being uh, low-power, edge-based artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms that run on device instead of in the cloud. Right. Separately, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just impressed that you could pronounce their name. But okay, I thought it was Tenorai or, uh, I don't know, but yes. Znorai. No, no, xnor.ai. And the idea of doing on-device AI processing is a good thing, 
right? Because not everything can always be cloud connected or or pushing everything to the cloud for processing and then pushing it back to the device introduces delays. The idea of being things low power and being able to run them off of solar is a good plan and, and speaks to, you know, power-based benefits for other things at the cloud. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think about how to tell this story. This is an interesting one. So there's this company. Separately, the U.S. Pentagon had a project that uh, seeked to develop computer vision technologies for autonomously analyzing image data captured by military drones and other systems. Mm-hmm. And as part of, of that project, Maven, uh, XNORII, I was working on it with a fellow startup called Clarify. And what happened is that, so, so Google pulled out of Project Maven after protests from employees. Um, Maven was working on this with Clarify, and then Apple bought XNOR.ai. And okay. upon, as, as part of that purchase, or after, shortly after that purchase, Apple directed them to stop working on this project. And you draw a line from that to saying that Apple didn't want them to do it, no? That, that seems to be the case. Yeah, okay. Well, I suppose, you know. Now, um, it's, it's, oh. it's nothing so sinister or, or so, so pointed as saying there's a political motive here or anything like that. It's something that happens a lot with acquisitions. And what happens is when Apple acquires a company, they tell that company, now that you're a part of us, your solutions will only be developed for our products. And oh, right. so, the way, same way Texture um, lost all of its Windows users when it was conc- uh, not or, renamed. But or Logic became... Pro, uh, you know, Logic Audio lost all of the Windows versions or as something like Touch ID, Right when when Touch ID was a a before that technology was purchased, they were a separate company. They were their own little company, and they had Motorola as a customer. And when they were acquired by Apple, they had to tell Motorola, "You've got one month, and then we have to stop uh, selling to you." Well, I genuinely didn't know that. One yeah. imagines these companies didn't just go into you know the employees didn't go into work one money with a, a croissant in their hand, a coffee in the other, and find things had changed. Did they? They would have known what this was going down how do you mean well i'm just thinking a long long time ago i worked in a company that had us using we were writing on WordStar, if you can even remember that oh and we boy genuinely i we came in on monday morning and it was all gone and it was word perfect instead and actually i it was so, word perfect, it was so good i went straight on and didn't notice really just carried on with the deadlines and then about six months later they made some other deal we came in and it was all microsoft word and um it, that was somewhat more of a uh learning curve swap over um i am assuming if a company is being bought they know what's going to happen afterwards so they're fine with it well i mean they can't really talk about it you know when you're when you're going to be acquired you do you you kind of go into a quiet mode and so you don't you don't tell your customers by the way we're going to be acquired now right because if something happens to the sale and it doesn't happen you you don't want to scare everyone sure right and Likewise, you don't really tell all your employees because you don't want to shake them up. Okay, but uh, you, you do. The, the there's there's a whole due diligence job. routine that gets that happens and things like that. But you you pretty much uh, keep things as stable as they can be so that the sale executes. Okay, but I suppose you wouldn't um, try to sell your services very much to somewhere else. You wouldn't try to take on new deals. Although you're right, actually, if it goes south, um, what are you going to do? You've got to keep the company running somehow. Yeah. So th- th- this has happened before. Apple has purchased other companies that had deals with with the military. Apple typically distances themselves from military contracts, but in 2008, when they acquired PA Semi, 
they temporarily allowed component supply deals with military equipment makers to continue. Uh, temporarily. Okay. Yeah, for, for a period of time. But the same thing with Touch ID, where I said, you know, they, they told Motorola, you have this amount of time before you have to be cut off. Right. It's complicated being a big business, isn't it? Yeah. It is. If it was simple, everyone would do it. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's an Apple patent about how a, a flat digital crown could use an optical sensor to register gestures. Could you tell me more about that? Well, I actually, I read the, the patent for that and I got quite confused at first I realized because it was telling me how great digital crowns are. I'm thinking, well, yeah, quite like mine. And there has been a patent recently for one saying it, it, they could turn the crown into more of a joystick-like mm -hmm. thing. Yes. Um, and this one, I thought, yeah, okay, so it could interpret gestures on the end. Okay. But then when you actually look at all of the, I think there's some ludicrous number of drawings in this particular patent, you realize that's rather flat. And then mm -hmm. you go into it, you realize actually it explicitly says that uh, the physical device, the rotating bit, can be damaged. It doesn't say the digital crown can be damaged through rotation. It says devices like can be under circumstances. Uh, and then also the fact that uh, it takes up room inside the watch as well as the other end does, of the twisty does. bit. So getting rid of it uh, leaves more room. And presumably a flat sensor takes up a lot less than... Uh, a spring and a coil or whatever it is that's right, behind. Right. So I, I compare this to the elimination of the physically moving button on the home button or, or the physically moving trackpad. Oh, yeah. Yes. Good point. Right. Because, the, and, and they're just using haptics to, the, you know, the taptic engine to make it feel like it physically moves. But by reducing the moving component, by eliminating the moving component, they've eliminated a point of failure. And as you say, freed up space internally that can be used for other things. Must be easier to make it waterproof as well. You would but, think. Okay. Yeah. Depending on how it's it's you know put in the case, absolutely. Yes. Right. If it's a separate component in the case, there's still a potential for water penetration there. But for the most part, yeah, certainly more waterproof than a rotating thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's probably a good thing overall. But I'll miss the digital crown. I don't like it. What there was another. There was another patent about wristbands entitled consistently tight watch band yes uh, and until i read it i didn't i wouldn't have thought of such a thing but now that i've read it i have noticed that during the day you know, especially if you've been running or something or you, mm -hmm. you're just doing balls. something with your handwork uh, yes wristless, and also i find just um uh the watch gets a little loose i mean not very loose but there are times when i find the particular strap i've got isn't right anymore and i will swap it to one of my other ones um and part of that is the fit and finish and how hot the weather is so yeah a, a band that adjusts itself for some reason this reminds me of the nike self-tying laces in no Back no to no Future 2. go go back about 60 years mm -hmm. there there's a company that's still in existence to this day and actually they make bands for the apple watch they were a watch band supplier back in the day and they were called speedel and their product was called the twisto flex wristband twisto flex watch band <laughs> And they Sorry, still that's make them of its time. Okay, twist o flex, quick twist e o, yeah. twist o flex with the hyphens as you'd expect. And they, it, it's an expanding wristband, and it, it's, of course, has springs and tension, and it, it uh, adjusts itself to your wrist. And they sell them for the Apple Watch. All right. So basically, Apple just been wasting their time. If they'd uh, looked at well, the you know, Sears catalog. 
if if awesome. they if yeah no the, it, it's entirely possible that they're doing something unique in the way that makes it different but the purpose is the same right i'll tell you this when the watch came out i got the the cheapest possible and i accepted the fact that it was going to be the cheapest possible band i still didn't think i was very likely to change them and then i got it and i actually think the the basic band is really good uh but i was given I as like a present, the light. I, uh, I like the silicone one. bands yeah yeah but I was given a metal one uh, as a present. I later bought a leather one. And now I think I've got three that I swap between occasionally. And what's your favorite? Uh, the one that I've given away to Angela. The, the kind of wraparound uh, thing, because actually her wrists are very small. And Is that the Milanese loop? That's the phrase. Thank you. Uh, she was genuinely finding all of this movement that Apple's patent talks about, but to excess, uh, a watch would be sliding practically. And now uh, it's solved with this. And all it cost me was the price of... Uh, Series 4 Apple Watch last year. Was that all? Bargain. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So the the reason that you'd want to do this, and Apple lays this out in their patent as well, is, is first of all, comfort. Because yes. when your wrist swells and the band becomes too tight, it is exceedingly uncomfortable. And the uh, some people don't like a, a watch that's too loose. I, I personally do like my watch to be a little loose, but uh, many people don't. And so having it be comfortably right is is a goal. The other thing, throughout all the times of the day, the other thing is that you want the sensors on the back to be in contact with the skin. That's one of the things that was one of the engineering constraints was that, you know, people like to wear their watch a little loose sometimes. How are you going to be able to get accurate sensor reading when it's not ideally tightened the whole time? And the engineers threw their hands up and design insisted they get it right. The... Uh, and, and this also is the same thing with the, with the watch crown a little bit. You know, you were talking about how it was flat instead of... Um, being proud of the surface. Mm -hmm. So people tend to wear the the watch with the crown facing down towards their fingertips. And when you do that and then flex your wrist, you can end up with the crown jabbing your hand, jabbing the top of your hand. And um, you don't see it so much with Apple Watch, but with traditional wrist watches, there are people who actually have little marks on the top of their hand where the crown hits, their, hits <laughs> the top of their hand. And having a flat crown that's just a touch surface means that that goes away as a constraint as well. It becomes also more comfortable. So this, these are both interesting developments. Yes. Sorry, that I never noticed that as a potential problem. So uh, another thing solved before I even noticed it. Oh, well, that's not true, is it? They haven't done it yet. It's just a patent. But the answer is probably it's, on its way. If it's a patent, it's already solved, isn't it? Yeah, They've but not thought in of a, it. It's happened. It's, like, it's like all of my articles, right? I've already thought of the lead. Therefore, the whole thing's already written in my head. This See, we're done already. Lot, we finished actually. it. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know. You're, you're making that joke reminds me. Uh, I used to work with a man called Half Page Horton. Oh, no. And it was called that because he would never write the number of words he was supposed to. Until, funnily enough, he went freelance. Then, oh, yes, he delivered to schedule and on length. I don't know why that just popped into my head. But you put it there and I'm amused oh, to remember the guy's name. Yeah. Mm. I hope I don't have such nicknames. <laughs> Uh, sorry, that was like, I'm not telling you, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, in this new year, there are a number of things that aren't going to follow us into the new year, right? Yeah, like being in the European Union, yes. Being in the European Union, uh, Game of Thrones, um, chicken sandwich shortages. Uh, what? What? Never well, mind. It was, that, it was, that was a 2019 thing. Don't worry about it. Whew. Okay. Yes. Right. But also, 
my old wireless plan, and insane monthly cell phone bill. That's over. It is. Is that what the cheering was? I could hear. Did you know why it's over? It's over because of Mint Mobile. Uh, What did Mint Mobile do to you? Well, they they cut the bill down to fifteen dollars a month. What did you do to Mint Mobile to make him do it? Well, it involved a very dark room and an interrogation and a single lamp without a lampshade and a bulb overhead. Very bright bulb. So a typical Saturday. Pretty much. No, actually, it was really simple. It was it was pretty much the easiest decision you'll ever make. So instead of paying a ridiculous, ridiculous bill, like seriously, absurd. Yeah. Okay. $15 a month. And every one of their plans comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text and 4G LTE. And you bring your own phone along and you keep all your same, you keep the same phone number, keep all your existing contacts. It works so well. And if you're not satisfied, if you're not 100% satisfied, they have you covered with their seven day money back guarantee. Kick off the year right and switch to Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Apple Insider. That's mintmobile.com slash Apple Insider. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Apple Insider. Now, I have questions because there's a there's this story that you wrote about handwriting recognition. Yeah. I'm not a good person to ask about this because my handwriting is so appallingly bad. But yes, I accept. I, I like Apple. They're pushing away at this every few years as a new patent, a new. So I mean, we had we had this in the Newton, mm-hmm. and then it got brought forward into OS ten in the early days as Ink, which used to be as part oh. of System Preferences. Goodness, I'd forgotten about that. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. If only you chatted with me before you sat down to write the article, you could have had that detail. Yeah. I would have happily reminded you about that. Oh. (sighs) Okay. And in in fact, in the keynote where Jobs announced it, he he pointed out that they'd brought this forward from the Newton. And we have have handwriting in things like Notability in iPad Pro, where you're using Mm. the Apple Pencil. So this patent is about using a sequence of mouse-based events to select a different interface objects and and also then um, manipulate uh, the interface with handwritten text. The idea, I mean, this is actually one of the most complicated patents uh, I've read from Apple, uh, the minutiae of details it goes into, and actually the repetition to be certain that it covers every possible combination of things yes. in it. Yeah. It was blindingly difficult to read. Um, but a development was it, the ultimate aim Yes, it's handwriting, but the idea is to make our use of devices even more natural. So to mm-hmm. take away as many mouse clicks and trackpad swipes and things and just have us be able to write on the screen and have it uh, effectively write back. Yeah, and it's, it's going to do a, a, it, it writes back is the interesting part. Yes, I, I want to be careful about this because that is what it says. So let's, just, let's, but it felt like it wasn't it. the ultimate aim. Okay. In response to receiving user input, the method includes displaying on the display simulated handwritten text that includes varying the appearance of characters in the simulated handwritten text based on variations that were detected in the handwritten text of a user. Yes. So what they're really doing is if if I write on the screen and they understand my handwriting, which is, of course, abysmal, just like yours, um, 
they will recognize the different quirks in my handwriting. You know, obviously as a human, I don't write the letters the same way every time. And so they're going to vary the appearance of the characters in the what they display so that it sort of matches that human input. It sounds to me like it's somewhere between converting it into type, so actually recognizing it, or just letting it be a, a bitmapped image, which is of little use to anybody. I but think it would be a bit of both. There. You know, you, you, you convert it into a type, but you convert it into a type. So sometimes when you do um, text recognition uh, with OCR, optical character recognition, uh, you can keep the same appearance, but it stores as, as data associated with that the actual text that was recognized. And so you might get something that appears cursive, but in fact has the characters in the, on the back end so that it can be manipulated. But the thing is, this means what I'm seeing is uh, probably pretty much my own handwriting. And this is very, very much not a good idea. I will not be able yeah. to read what my iPad is telling me. Nor anyone else. I'm not proud of this, but um, it's, it's true. If I write down a line on paper, when I take my pen off at the end, I can no longer read that piece of paper. So I make no handwritten notes at Ever. all. Yeah. I tried it once with the Apple Pencil on the iPad when I was in a, a, a meeting, and I liked it while I was working on it, but I, I genuinely couldn't read anything afterwards, so it was utterly worthless. So the last time that I had to really handwrite something properly, uh, I was taking the LSAT, the LSAT, which is the Legal Scholastic Aptitude Test. Oh, right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I did it for fun. Did you know you were doing that? I wasn't actually going As to apply to a law school. I just wanted something to do, so I did it. Okay, other people watch As TV, one does. but, you know, yeah. All right. Yeah, as and, one does, uh, right? How, how did you get on? Well, other, other scholastic aptitude tests that I'd taken, other kinds of things, had been administered online. Had, had oh. been administered with, with computer, not necessarily online. They weren't network connected, but they were, they were in fact, a screen and typing and, and so forth. And this, the administration of this test required pencil and paper. And good <laughs> Lord, was my hand sore and my penmanship awful. And, and wow, staggeringly bad. <laughs> I can still remember filling out a form at an employment agency. I mean, when I was very young and doing these things and I handed it over and the face on the woman I handed it to. Uh, you looked at it thinking, not only am I not going to get a job out of these people, but they're going to be talking about this uh, <laughs> gorilla-minded man-child throwback that was oh. in front of them. Yeah. You know, instead of being crestfallen at the work, they should have been pleased that the ape managed to write. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm trying to look at uh, quite where I stand in that <laughs> sentence, whether it's good or bad. I'm going to lean towards bad, but uh, okay. okay. <sighs> just you and I. It's just you and I here. Okay, I thought it was the three of us, but all right, yes. Okay, we're all friends, aren't we? Are. we? Really, we and we and you know what? We want to move on. That's what we want to do. Apple, remember mm. Apple? It's a show about Apple. Vaguely, yes. A Apple yes. signed an exclusive deal with an exec formerly of Stars and HBO. Yes, I love all this stuff. The TV side. I used to work uh, in this field, and now it feels like uh, uh, you know, all the old things I knew, all the old deals are coming back, and the same mm -hmm. producers are doing things. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So he was responsible. His name is uh, Karmi Zlotnik, 
And he was former head of programming at Stars and HBO, and he's responsible for supervising productions like Band of Brothers, Sopranos, American Gods, Outlander, and, and of course, others. Grief, Outlander, that's a show. Uh, yeah, well, Outlander well, has clearly. one more season in it. There's, there's still going to be one more season left in that. Yeah, uh, he must have been at Stars when they did Torchwood as well. That goes uh, back quite a ways. A show. Yes, uh, probably 2011, 12 for the start, yeah. the American version. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, I the American the other day. Yeah. No, the American one followed. I, I would say. Wow. 2006 was the original British series, and it right, ran for right, about and three the runs, the American short run followed that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, they were all pretty short. You know what we're like here? We can't make 26 episodes a season if our lives depended on it. But, you know, we're yeah, happy. I, I watched all of those. So he was, before Stars, he was at uh, head of ops for global media at IMG. And that came after his long tenure at HBO. So well at HBO, Band of Brothers, The Sopranos, The Wire, Sex and the City, Six Feet Under, From the Earth to the Moon, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and The Larry Sanders Show. Wow, uh, the Larry Sanders show is the show that ignited HBO. I mean, I, it was wonderful in tremendous days. Not for some reason, it's not so well known now, but it is the one. It is uh, the equivalent of the Mandalorian or the Disney Plus. It's the thing that got everybody talking about the platform. Uh, HBO started, I think, in the seventies, but it wasn't uh, until eighties, nineties. Uh, many years in before that show appeared, but that was the the real edition. And he worked on that. He, wow, that's a very impressive track record. Yeah, before the Larry Sanders show, HBO was home box office channel, and it was uh, pretty much the only place you could find movies rerunning. They, they, all they did all day was run movies, and uh, that was that was really what launched their original productions. And very successful. So my mind's gone on to similar. It always seems like it's one show that does it. House of Cards on Netflix, um, probably Transparent on, or Transparent, however you say it, on Amazon Prime, uh, mm. and The Mandalorian on Disney. Uh, what will be the one on Apple TV Plus? I don't think we've seen it yet. Still, still not known, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It could be Little Voice. Still waiting for Little Voice. Please bring <laughs> it to me. You. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think we've got room for one more story. Mm. How have you been feeling lately, William? You feeling okay? Uh, yes. Got I a little fever? So. No. No. Um, though, as you said that, my watch just suddenly really started tapping at me with something. Actually, it turns out it's an Apple Insider notification, but I thought it was something to do with my health because you were asking like that, and whether you, you knew something. What's wrong with my health? Well, Ming-Chi Kuo views the coronavirus as a significant threat to the company. Oh. And Sorry, I wanted to yeah, make sure that you were feeling all right. This. Is this because, you know, I am actually going to China in a few months' time? So, uh, oh, yes. Dear. Oh, dear. So, the, there, there are potentially five threats, right? Mm -hmm. To Apple, yes. To Apple. Yeah. One of them is consumer confidence. You know, there's, there's an expectation that smartphone shipments may drop month over month, year over year, because of the virus. Okay, that makes sense. Consumer confidence of Chinese and global markets could be negatively affected. Um that there's a labor shortage, right? If, if you are trying to ship new products, you may be at risk of shipping because you simply have people out sick. Right. I mean, let's be, I mean, there are more serious things than Apple not earning as much money as usual. Um, so I'm obviously very concerned about the, uh, is it, it was 117 deaths last time I looked and I know it's going up. Yes. Uh, but yes, there's also the uh, stopping of transport and things that presumably that must affect Supply lines? Yeah, well, that's that's yeah. one of them. So impacted design schedules because of travel restrictions. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. If you can't travel to meet with engineering, 
If you can't travel to meet with designers, then you may be impacted. Yes. Okay. Uh, is that four then? Uh, what's the fifth? Well, I got a couple more. I got two more. Oh, I lost track then. Uh, okay. Qualification and certification of products, right? For the second half of 2020, if there's no improvement regarding the coronavirus, uh, it's, it's possible that Apple may delay new material adoptions or lower test requirements for components to shorten the qualification process and able to get things done. Wow. And they're able to do that? A little bit. It seems. Okay. There is potentially, and this is sort of a, a, a one that no one would have thought of, but weekend face ID user experience. I can't conceive of why that is. Well, we well if you're face wearing ID. a face mask to try and protect yourself from, from oh. transmitting the virus. Okay. Well, um, so you have to wait to beaten into your passcode. I'd still leave the mask on. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Right. So this is the, the, there are some risks in terms of Apple business, uh, just just based on this virus and and how it's spreading and the impact from it. It's frightening, but it is. Uh, we, we've been here before with SARS and things. Well, that was a stunningly long time ago. Yeah. Uh, now, almost ten years, more or less. I've no idea. I just remember. I feel like it was even longer. There was too, there was but... SARS. There was the uh, avian flu. Oh, remember yes. bird flu? Yes. Yeah. We had bovine spongiform encephalopathy here, uh, which I said very very quickly. Uh, mm. Just uh, I took a run up at it. I didn't quite land the last word, but yeah, BSE, we had that yep. knocking around here, causing some problems. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In any case, we, we certainly hope that, that the virus gets contained and that people recover. Yeah. And on that positive note. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back next week with more. We hope you join us then. William, where can people find you on the internet? I'm uh, W Gallagher on Twitter, William at AppleInsider.com, and I also have a new YouTube uh, series called 58 Keys. It's about uh, specifically for writers who use Apple Gear. Really? Oh, yes. Launched this week. In fact, first two episodes up now, Wednesday nights from now on in. Well, remember to like and subscribe, I guess. Cool. <laughs> yeah, please do. I'm very pleased with that. I mean, I've seen some of the episodes to come because I'm filming them, and I really like them. So that's nice for me, isn't that? Nice. Yeah. That's nice for you. Um, I'm Victor. I'm VMarks on Twitter and Victor at AppleInsider.com. Please feel free to let us know with any of your criticisms, complaints, and compliments. We like hearing from you. And, and I hope, again, you'll all be back next week. Thank you so much. <laughs>